Danny J. And I'm Jill Coleman. Welcome to the Best Life Podcast. Here, we talk about everything from success, money, relationships, and entrepreneurship to productivity, honest communication, positive psychology, and how to cultivate an abundance mindset. Make money, travel the world, deepen your relationships, live full out. This is the best life. What's up, besties? Besties. It's Danny J. And this is Jill Coleman. And uh, what are we chatting about today? So this is going to be, I feel like this is really on topic right now. Um, Yeah, it's timely. So I want to talk about feeling abundant when the world seems to be contracting. There's Mm. been a lot of messaging out there about recession and what does that mean? And people are freaking out. And I've seen a lot of people get really scared and scarcity mindset comes out and um, you know, people are pulling back and maybe saving more money. And obviously like we also seen inflation, like gas prices going to mm-hmm. $7 a gallon in California and mm-hmm. pretty high out here. And so how do you stay abundant, keep an abundant mindset, not freak out when everything around you seems to be like when the sky is falling, right? Mm-hmm. Chicken little, like the sky is falling. Dude, so- scarcity is so sneaky. Because it really like scarcity begets scarcity, which is like so hard because it's so easy to look at different messages online and be reading the news and like everything seems like doom and gloom and to start taking that on and then start acting in accordance with scarcity. So for example, if you were thinking about investing in something or buying something or whatever, and you're like, ah, maybe we should wait. And then as a result of that, which is hard, but like as a result of that, then you start like maybe your reality or your outcomes start becoming smaller. And then you're, you have to batten down the hatches even more. And then like, you start getting like less out of things and like you're, you're, you know what I mean? So I think about it always from the business perspective, like investing in myself, investing in my company, investing in my education, investing in. And then as soon as you start being like, and it's hard because there is, and this would probably be more in your wheelhouse is like, what is frivolous spending versus what is like spending to continue to attract abundance into your life, right? Like, how do you know, yes, this this is an investment that's going to pay off, or this is just an investment that maybe I shouldn't make right the second because of the recession. So like, how do you know which is which? Because I think both of us, correct if I'm wrong, both of us have had the experience of feeling in scarcity, starting to, you know, tighten up the purse strings. And then we start, and then other things start going wrong. Then other things start going wrong. And then it's, it's even harder to sort of, um, dig yourself out of that hole, you know? So for example, um, an FBA, it's FBA is a $2,000 investment. FBA is my beginner to business course. And we have people who do it and they're, you know, oftentimes really scared. This is sometimes because for beginners, this is the biggest investment they've oftentimes made in themselves. And so they get really scared. So oftentimes if they invest, then like, you know, self-doubt will start to kick in and they'll be like, ah, maybe I shouldn't do it. And then the only, the problem with that is, and it's fine. We usually get, we have like a refund period. If people get cold feet, no problem. Like that's not the way we want to start out. We want people to be excited about their investment. So if they're like, ah, I think I just need to, I just need a refund or whatever. Cool. We have no problem giving that. The only problem is that FBA six months and six months later, they're still either in the same place or they've even gone backwards, Mm -hmm. you know? So I'm not saying like my program is like necessarily like magic, but if there's no change, then there's no change. So it's sort of like, do you keep battening down the hatches and keep like tightening up the purse strings, but then you continue to not get the results that you really want? 
or even potentially backslide even more because now you're feeling an even more scarcity. So you start acting a certain way and you start even attracting more scarcity into your life. Whereas if you had taken that step and, and invested in yourself and started to take the actions that would produce in a more abundant outcome, you'd be way further along at this point. So how do you know when it's time to be in abundance or is there even a bad time to be in abundance? Even like, is there a point at which you become just like a Pollyanna and like you're delusional? <laughs> like, yeah. or, or do we just really need to, like, who should we be listening to? Yes, we do need to cut out the lattes and we do need to stop getting the avocado toast. Or is it like, I don't know, how do you make sense of these decisions? Yeah, I think it comes down to mindful spending. And I think too many people, and this is what I see, and especially the types you're kind of describing who freak out the mm-hmm. refunds is that they're focused on the wrong thing. So, and and this is just, it's it's not really a judgment. It's just an observation, but I will see these types where they will be freaked out to spend $2,000 on a course or a coaching program or something that has an ROI and can produce an ROI, like mean ROI return on investment. Meaning if I put $2,000 in, I can make 2000 out or 4,000 out or 6,000 out. And To me, when you're getting information, ROI often when you're investing in yourself is infinite because Mm -hmm. I invested in something that's $2,000 10 years ago that I'm still using to this day. That's still making my business money. So it's Mm -hmm. an infinite ROI. However, that same person who's scared to invest $2,000 in this thing will go out and say, my car is a hundred thousand miles. I need to go get a new car. So I'm going to make a $500 car payment instead of driving the car that they have and just fixing it mm-hmm. or it's the same person who has 16 different subscriptions and are getting apps and they're not looking at their just at the small things so i i always talk about how the small things really matter and if you're not taking care of the small things the big things aren't going to come whether this is your audience like if you're not taking care of and you're not posting for you know the 10 people who yeah. love you why are you going to have a larger audience and so unfortunately because these big ticket items we think those are the ones that are sinking the boat they're really not it's like a bunch of little holes are going to sink a small ship it's not like the glacier that you're going to run into and so and i teach this a lot in find the money project where my find the money project is a 7 day challenge and we do these small things and people like literally looking at your bank statements and it's not to say like don't have the coffees every day but it's what are you spending your money on and are you going to target and spending $300 twice a month where in two months you could have paid for that coaching course. And when you look around your house, what did you get from target? Do you even really remember? Mm-hmm. Are there things in your closet that have tags on them that you haven't worn and you just bought them because it felt good in the moment. And so I think that being mindful and cutting spending where it doesn't matter is not scarcity mindset. I think it's wisdom. And I think it's, I think there's a difference between being frugal and being cheap and being frugal, I think comes with the amount of just mindfulness being cheap is like, what's the lowest cost. I'm only going to like, I'm not going to spend money if I never have to spend money and I'm looking for the the lowest price on everything. And I don't care about quality. So I, I think that when you're looking at everything, so the first step in find the money project literally is print your bank statements, um, not go on your phone, like literally get a piece of paper and highlighters and start highlighting what you're spending on and then putting them into categories and adding it up. And what I would say 90 plus, I really would say a hundred percent of people, but let's just say 90 plus to not have extremes. 
will spend so much money on food and not realize that food is mm. this big one. And it's food that a lot of it gets thrown in the trash. And this is something that once I started doing this really bothers me. And to this day, Jeff still will go grocery shopping and just, we throw food away. And I get so angry because I'm like, look, it's just like taking $30 and throwing it in the trash. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? So looking at what you're spending on food and can you be making meals at home? And do you have, and I learned this from Danny Johnson, do you already have food at home? So one of the pieces in find the money project is don't go buy any more food at the grocery store or anywhere else until you eat what's in your cupboards mm-hmm. and in your house. And it is amazing. I've had people literally eat for three to six months and not go grocery shopping except for like milk or some of the things that go bad from what's already in their house that they had bought. They put in the back of the freezer for later. I'll eat this later. And they don't. And what it does is two things is one, all those time uh, grocery store runs that they didn't do. They've saved so much money for however long. And two, they become much more mindful about what they do buy because they actually have to think, am I going to use this? And so even ask yourself, look under your bathroom sinks and in your kitchen, how many lotions, half bottles of shampoos, half bottles of conditioners, and all of those products have you spent money on because you had the money and it was just there. And what happens in a time of maybe recession where we're like really more mindful is we have to start paying attention to the small things. The small things aren't going to um, like break you, so to speak, Mm -hmm. but those small things can turn into something that you can invest in to help you generate more income. Mm-hmm. So it's not about cutting them for the sake of cutting them. It's like, let's cut them so we can afford to invest. So we can afford to make the moves that we want to do. And we're just actually making conscious decision, conscious spending. And I don't even usually like to use the word conscious, but that's really what it is. It's like, mm-hmm. let's have conscious spending. And I believe when we are more conscious about our spending, we can be more abundant because we see how much we actually have. I can't tell you how many people who've done find the money who were literally, and this was the same for me. I'm like, I'm broke. I have no money at the end of the month. I don't know where it's going. When I started to be more conscious, I had so much more money than I ever imagined. Mm. I paid off $18,000 of debt in 60 days. And prior to doing these kind of steps, I could have told you, I I'm broke. I have no money. I Mm. literally was living paycheck to paycheck. And suddenly I paid off 18 grand in two months. Like it made no sense to me, but it was the small things Mm. that I wasn't thinking about. And it gets those small things start to just happen. And you start to get lazy and lazy, especially when things are going great and the economy is doing well. And it's just easy to do these target things and just pick up takeout here and there. And the, the freezer starts getting full and the food got starts getting pushed to the back and you don't notice. But in these times, where you may or may not need to cut back. It's always good. I try to at least once a year, take a look at what I'm doing. Cause I get, we all get into bad habits. And so I have to relook at my habits and I've definitely starting to get more bad, like online shopping habits. And I'm like, what am I doing? Buying all these clothes, but you know, I'm in a place where I can, that doesn't mean that's where I always want to be. Or if I'm looking to invest in my business, whether it's yeah. bringing a team or hiring a coach or buying a course. If I don't have the money for that, I'm kicking myself and I got to take a look at where can I find that money? And it's Mm -hmm. usually there somewhere. It's so good because I love that you made the distinction of like, it's not because we're like trying to like nickel and dime everything. I still, obviously we want you guys to like be able to like live and enjoy your life. But like at the end of the day, if you want to 
be in abundance and expand your your life in ways, you will have to at some point invest in you. So instead of investing in like a new car or like bags and shoes or whatever, and it's fine, like, you know, again, do what you need to do for you. But if it's either or, to me, I always see an investment in myself. And I'm so glad that you said the ROI is infinite because it's funny, whenever I, I invested, I invested in Lewis House's mastermind in 2018 and a friend of ours um, actually reached out to me uh, like a few months into that year. And she said, Hey, I saw that you're in Lewis's mastermind. Is it worth it? And I remember being like, of course it's worth it. Like I wouldn't even think to myself anything. And like, I will say that probably wasn't the best fit for me mastermind wise, but I would never say it was a bad investment. I would never say that I regret it at all. I made some, met some incredible people. And I also learned what I, what I really want in a mastermind. So it wasn't at all a bad experience. It just probably wasn't for me, but I did never saw it as like, ah, oh, I wish I didn't invest. Because to me, as soon as I hand over the money, it's already worth it. Like it already is worth it because I know that I'm investing in me. I'm investing in experience. I'm investing in strategy. I'm investing in community. I'm investing in relationships. And so I love that you said, because I wasn't sitting there looking at bank statements being like, okay, this mastermind is 35 grand. Let's make sure I'm making at least 35, an additional 35 grand a year. And I think a lot of people do approach their investments, which is probably why they get scared because they go, it's been a month and I haven't made what I need to be making given what I've invested. But at the end of the day, it's not even about a, a, a dollar for dollar ROI within a certain amount of time. To me, it's like, no, it's those relationships that I formed. It's that insight that I got. It's the the discernment that I learned. It's the strategies that you know re- revealed to me over time. It's like, and I didn't put those all into practice right then to be able to make an immediate ROI. I also think when it comes to uh, everything that's going on with the economy because we are in a recession, like it's official and inflation is certainly a thing. So we don't want to like belittle these things. I did definitely, neither one of us are this like Pollyanna, everything is great. But I do think that because of the negativity bias, it's so much easier to take some of these economic issues and make them so much bigger than they actually are in reality. You know, if you look at the recession, that means obviously that the economy has shrunk to a certain degree, but it's shrunk like less than 1%. So then you have to ask yourself, like, even though, yes, people maybe aren't spending the exact same way, plenty of people are still spending. So don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. If you are a coach or you're someone who wants to uh, bring in money or you you serve clients or the service industry, just because we're in a recession doesn't mean people, like everyone just stops spending everything. In fact, there's always going to be people who want transformation, who want a result, who are looking for help. So if you start assuming the worst and catastrophizing and spiraling, oh, this is all bad. No one's going to want this. You're going to start showing up like that. You're going to start showing up with the expectation that no one wants this. I'm bad. No one wants me. It's all bad. And that's why I say that I feel like scarcity is scarcity begets scarcity because then you start showing up that way. And then you start bringing in results that are proving your point to the point where you go, see, I knew it. I knew no one was spending, but you didn't ask yourself how you were showing up. And it's so hard. I actually did a um, post a few months ago on like seven ways to yank yourself out of scarcity. And unfortunately, it's doing a lot of the things that you don't want to do when you're in scarcity. It's like investing and turning away clients and firing clients and stuff like that, like problem clients. Like it's things that reassert your own power and your own abundance is like ironically the thing that's going to pull you out of scarcity because if you just keep doing, you keep acting in, in scarce actions, 
then it's going to keep self-perpetuating and it's going to be a self-fulfilling prophecy. And then you're going to wonder how you got so far behind. And so I do think that the negativity bias will make us feel like this is a so much bigger of an issue than it is in actual reality. I mean, like the average recession lasts like 12, 11 months. So just ask yourself, can I batten down the hatches? And maybe this is going to be more severe, who knows? But ask yourself, like, can I, do I have enough resources? Do I believe in myself enough? Am I willing to, um, you know, do what it takes effort-wise, attitude-wise, resources-wise to get myself through 11 months? And I think most of us would say, yeah, like in the grand scheme of these, not that long. And so we'll see. I think we have a couple, like, you know, a little bit, a couple of years ahead of us that things might feel a little bit different, but there's always going to be people who want transformation. There's always people who, who want to buy stuff and don't assume that everyone has no money. That's just not the case. The money has to go somewhere. And so to me, it's like, cool, do we have to change our messaging? Do we have to change our approach? Do we have to change our energy? And I think that we haven't actually have a really awesome opportunity to be a bright spot when everyone else is sort of shrinking and feeling like this is all bad and sort of catastrophizing. I feel like we have an opportunity to be that hope for the next person. At least I'm going into a big launch next month. And that's how I'm, I'm bringing that energy of like, hey, anything is possible if you're willing to do it. And I feel like there's still a ton of possibility out there, but you also have to believe it. I love, I love that. And I think our job as entrepreneurs is to solve problems. And so if you're feeling like maybe your clients are in a place where maybe money's an issue, what can you, what kind of service, what kind of new service or offering can you create for them? Yes. Maybe maybe the product you have is high ticket and maybe you can create courses that are a little more affordable that still give them that transformation that they're looking yep. for. Maybe there's a, a completely different offer you can create. Um, I feel like this is such a time that we get to get really creative and you can make so much more money, ironically, in the time where you maybe feel or are being seeing messages that you can't. And so I really think that this is an opportunity. I also find it interesting that, you know, when we, we talk about investing and, and the ROI and the infinite ROI, if you really take a strong look at yourself of things you've purchased, you know, like what have you bought that didn't have an ROI, like the couch in your yes. living room or your television. And sometimes I've literally had clients. Um, this was when I was doing network marketing. One of my girls, she was a single mom, really struggling, really young. And I made her sell her TV and her son's Xbox. And she was like, I can't do that. I can't. I'm like, listen, does he really need that? And you need this money to start your business. You can buy a TV again later, but right now you don't have anything else that can help you generate money. And we have to get like, we need seed money to start this thing. And she sold it. And literally she just texted me today. Um, and she's always thanking me for doing that. She goes and like a joke. She's like, Danny made me sell my TV and made me sell my son's Xbox. And it was great. I was like, look, it's going to make you two closer as a parent and child. Yeah. Spend more time with him. He doesn't need to have the Xbox. He'll live. He can go play at friends' houses. He's not going to die without having an Xbox. You're not going to die without TV. You're going to have more time to work your business because you're not watching it. Sometimes you got to get rid of shit. If you're in that much of a yes. dire strait, you can still figure it out. But there are so many things that we have purchased that aren't getting an ROI. And yet we have this really big fear to invest in ourselves that just has an infinite return. So really like get your mind right about why you're scared about certain investments and why other purchases, I think we put them in two different boxes. And so we don't think the same. And it's very interesting. Mm -hmm. We really need to almost swap our mindset around it where we're like questioning, should I buy this microwave instead of questioning, should I buy this 
this coaching, yeah. you know, right? Like yeah. kind of questioning why should I work, should I work with this coach or not? Why are we not like thinking harder about the other big purchases we're making? I know it's so good. Cause a lot of you, we're seeing a lot of messaging right now. And I mean, I know you follow her Mosey online too, and he's been doing a lot of like, you know, why are people putting their money into the stock market when you can put it into yourself? Mm. And I'm like, yeah, like, you know, sure. If you have like the, you know, extra income and you want to invest in other things, but at the end of the day, like people are trying to like, they're splitting hairs over like what the, what the, um, you know, what the economy is doing and what the uh, market is doing when I'm just like, Hey, you're a fucking sure bet invest in you. That's always going to be the biggest ROI is going to be on you versus like trying to like nickel and dime something in the market. And to that point too, you know, I put in money to like a, to some investments, um, like monthly and I'll like put, you know, like I remember when I worked at my job, I had a 401k and I put a couple hundred dollars a month towards that. It took so long, like for that 401k to grow at whatever percentage it was going took so long. If I took that same amount of money to like straight to investing in something like a mastermind, I could have flipped that money so much faster than letting it grow. And I'm not saying to stop putting it into those things. It's important to have a long-term strategy and put a little bit at a time that builds up over time. But also you could flip your ROI to a hundred percent so much faster in investing in yourself than that money will sitting in an account for, I mean, it will take years to flip that same amount of money. Yeah. So (laughs) it's, it's a slow play versus a long play. And sometimes we got to make those I mean, slow play versus long, but it's slow and long versus you, you could do something quick and maybe it's high, but high risk, high reward, right? Like yep. sometimes we have to risk a little bit more, but we have a much stronger upside. Yeah. So- also the other thing in terms of yes, investing in coaching or mentorship or masterminds or whatever, but also like just be, get better at what you do too, right? Like that's the thing is like, I feel like the people who are probably going to have the hardest time during a, something like a recession are people who maybe not experts too. So like, what do you need to do to like, make sure that you're the go-to person for that person who wants that transformation? I feel like if you're an expert, you value your time a lot more and your time is also in more demand. So if you're worried about, you know, I'm not gonna be able to make money or the you know money's going to dry up or whatever, then like put not only in coaching, support, guidance, whatever strategy, but also like just being better at your craft because the people who are the best are always going to have a job. People who are the best are always going to get paid for what they do. And so, I mean, that was one of my like one, seven things to like pull yourself out of scarcity. But again, just going back to like, you know, trying to better yourself at what you're doing. And I think that that is a, a, a good way to look at it too. That's a really, really great one. Getting better at what you do, becoming more of an expert and that can literally just mean watching YouTube videos and reading books and then just getting more practice. And that stuff doesn't have to cost you anything. You can get clients for free just to practice on. You can watch and learn just about anything online that costs you nothing but time. But as you get better, one, you'll get more confident and you can charge more and two, you'll be in more demand and you're getting better results. So I really, really love that tip. Actually, that's, that's a really good one. Um, I think this is a good conversation. I think what we can probably probably have some more conversations like this as we kind of see what's what with the economy, um, and sort of like how things shake out. Cause I think everyone's like sort of guessing right now. And I think a lot of people are like, make sure you have, I mean, I hate again, marketers are in everything where we're like, you need to have an additional revenue stream. I don't love this idea of like, of convincing people to buy something based on like 
the scarcity, like, oh, you're going to be out on the street if you don't buy my course. Like at the end of the day, like, please do not like, <laughs> it doesn't have to be that sensational, but I think it's important that we sort of start to listen around the edges and, and also like, what are you feeling? And I think being on top of it, like asking you if you are someone who has an online brand or online um, audience, like ask your people how they're feeling, you know, listen right from them, how they're feeling about this stuff. I think that will help you at least have more information to, like Danny said, be able to maybe offer something more affordable. We're doing that at FBA. We're creating an offer that's more affordable for people because we know people want this education. We, we want them to have it but we know that they're a little bit scared and which is fine. Like it's, it's totally fine, but you can't like just shut it all down, especially if you want to come out of what well, could potentially only be 11 months or so, or maybe it's going to be a little bit longer, but if you want to come out on top, then you can't sleep on this time. To me, I'm like, this is the best fucking time to invest in yourself is like come out on top when things start to really shake out. Like, you know, Keith and I have been talking about potentially buying a house and stuff. And I'm like, fuck, as soon as the market turns around, like I'm be the first person when this like bubble hits. Um, so I think there's ways that you can utilize this to your advantage that a lot of people, when they get scared and they start to get smaller and they start to operate smaller and they start to really like batten down the hatches, it's an opportunity for you if you're willing to do the opposite. I, I love it. Yeah. I think that's the best time, you know, I think Warren Buffett said the best time to build, to build wealth is during a recession. And it's really true. There's so many things you can do right now and you can really get ahead. Like this is the time that you can get ahead. And so instead of getting your freak out hat on, let's get on like your solutions hat and yes. see what you can Resourcefulness, do. Resourcefulness. Yeah. Yep. 100%. So that's a good one. I actually am really interested in how people see this. Actually, maybe we can start a, a conversation in our closed Facebook group. If you guys go to the bestlifepodcast.com, there's a link to join our closed Facebook group on our website. Um, actually, I really would be interested in sort of like either how you're changing your spending habits or what you've maybe noticed in your immediate circle or even in your audience on like sort of how people are responding. I haven't seen a ton of it quite yet, but I also haven't launched since the recession. So we'll kind of see. Uh, what things change maybe next month, but I am, I'm excited because I know that there, the possibility is infinite for people. And I think this is obviously, I mean, recessions are inevitable. Like we always, we have one like every fucking 10 years. So it's like the idea that everything's just going to always be on the up and up. It's like, that's not true either. So if you can withstand these moments where the economy is contracting potentially a little bit or other things going on, if you can like surf those moments, I think you're going to have an opportunity to come out on top, but now's the time. Yeah, I actually have noticed just side note, um, one of my clients, we hadn't launched for a couple of months and we just did again this last month. And I've seen a huge difference in the amount of people getting payment plans versus pay in full. Mm -hmm. It used to be maybe 80% pay in full. And now it's about 40% pay in full and a lot more people are taking payment plans. So that's just something also to think about if you're offering something and you don't want to lose your clients is maybe you have to break payments down for them. And that way they can still work with you, but it's a little bit more affordable to do it in chunks instead of, you know, a big amount. So yeah. again, back to making solutions and creating, maybe creating different offers that you can still work with someone, still help them out, maybe offering more group programs, but this is a really good time to get creative and yeah. I, you can still do well. You can do better than well. You can do better than you ever did before. It's just time to get a little creative and, and feel, see how you can fill the gaps in what people need and, and solve their problems. Yeah, that's so good. All right, y'all. Well, that's it for us. Love your feedback on this. Thank you guys, as usual, for listening. We always love your ratings and reviews, and we always love when you share 
our episodes with your audience. Thank you guys for doing that. Um, and of course, if you have any topics or anything you would like for us to chat about, feel free to hit us up in the DMs at the Best Life Podcast on Instagram. And we'll see you in the next episode. Bye. Bye. Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast.